This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. the great high priest and so he's an apostle and that he was sent by God and he's also a high priest and so as believers in Christ we need to consider this we need to consider that Christ is the mediator between God and man not man Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse 6 I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through man going into a closet no Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us that He is the way, the truth, and the light. This may be something that you've heard countless times, but I think it's important to note that it doesn't say that He's one of the ways, one of the truths, or one of the lights. No, He is the only way, truth, and light. Today, Pastor Eddie will be talking about how Christ is the only bridge between man and God. No other being or power besides the one and only Jesus Christ has the power to save. Well, Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Matthew chapter 17 as he continues his message, The Supremacy of Christ. We see now Moses in the New Testament. It was Moses who was with Jesus when Jesus was at the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, there it said that Moses and Elijah was with Jesus, and that's in Matthew chapter 17. We're also going to see Moses in the end times in the book of Revelation. If you study the book of Revelation, you'll find that there's going to be two witnesses. These two witnesses are described as this. In Romans chapter 11, verse 6, this is what it says about the two witnesses. It says, these have the power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. Who did that? Elijah, remember? He held the rain. The second one, which is Moses, look, tell me if you can't describe, this is Moses. It says, and they have power over waters to turn them to blood. That's what Moses did. And to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they can. These are the two witnesses that will be here during the great tribulation. We're going to see this from the vestibule. We're having a celebrating. The church is a bride now. We're celebrating the honeymoon. Seven years in heaven, seven years of great tribulation these two witnesses will be here and the Lord's going to use Moses and Elijah in those days so now that's the Moses we know in the Bible however keep in mind that the right the right of Hebrews is writing to uh, Jewish believers they found their faith in Christ they've been suffering much persecution they've been ostracized by their family they've been abandoned And so many of them were sadly going back to Judaism and leaving Christ. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says, how can we neglect so great a salvation? Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled the Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. He is the one. And many of them, because of persecution, were were going back. So now he's getting to the point where now to the Jews back then, again, Moses was 
the big dog, if you will. He was the great grand poobah. He was the great kahuna, if you will. And if you said anything about Moses, oy vey, bite your tongue. You know, it's like, wow. But this is why. This is the Moses to the Jews. We just saw some of his qualities in the Bible. Now, with that in mind, we read the text. We looked at who Moses was. Now, let us study the text verse by verse. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. The writing begins with the word, therefore. Whenever we study the scriptures, we see the word, therefore. We have to ask ourselves, therefore, we need to look at the previous passages, right? And what was the previous two chapters about? Christ is greater than angels. So therefore, because Jesus is greater than actually prophets, he started with prophets first, I'm sorry. And then he said, Jesus is greater than the angels. Therefore, because Jesus is greater than the prophets, he's greater than angels. He said, therefore, he's now calling our attention, the attention of the first Hebrew readers. He said, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. And so the first readers who read this, the Hebrews, and and now for us too, it is applicable for us today. He's calling our attention. He's calling us holy brethren, holy, the word hagios, meaning consecrated ones. We're separated unto God. We're holy. You may say, well, wait a minute. There's nothing holy about you. And Eddie, there's definitely nothing holy about you either. You know, yes, ask my wife. She'll tell you. But, you know, practically, you know, but positionally we are holy because we're in Christ. The same thing with righteousness. We're not righteous of anything we've done. We're righteous because we put on the righteousness of Christ. So positionally we're righteous, we're holy, we're separated, but practically we still need the Holy Spirit to work out those areas in our lives until we stand before him in glory. And so we are consecrated ones and we're partakers. And so this is applied to the believer. No unbelieving Jew or Gentile can understand this blessing. But this applies to those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. If you are born again and you're a believer, you accepted Christ as Lord and personal Savior, then you are the one that the writer of Hebrews is referring to. You are partakers. You are holy brethren. So he says this. Now look at the second half of verse 1. In verse 1 he says, consider. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. And so he's calling the attention of those readers and for you and I. He says, yes, we already established the fact that Jesus is greater than the angels. He's better than the prophets. But I want you now to consider, consider this. Now, in the Greek, to consider, it means to, it means this in the Greek. It means to put your mind on something, put your mind on something and remain there until you understand it. Consider it. Put your mind on this. And remain there until you understand it. And that's what we need to do. When it comes to Jesus Christ, and that's for us every day, consider Jesus Christ. Consider who he, what, who he is to you, what he means to you, and what he's done for you. Consider this, especially in the world. We live in a world where there's so much negative and, you know, really garbage, to be honest. A lot of false teaching, a lot of false doctrine, and it's just drifting us away. It's pulling us away from the one we need to consider. And so we need to focus on Jesus Christ. So he's saying this, consider this, consider Jesus Christ. And he says, the apostle and high priest of our confession, right? And so notice that the, it means it's pointed to the apostle and the high priest. Now, there's no other passages that gives Christ this title, apostle. We are thinking now maybe, okay, he's apostle, that's kind of... 
equal to a disciple or bishop, you know, but Jesus, an apostle? Yes, it's, it's only mentioned here. But in the context of what the writer is, is using it, apostle is, as we know, apostolos in the Greek. It means one who's been sent. One who's been sent. That's what apostle means. And I know a lot of religious people like to use the apostle. Uh, technically, there's no apostle today. In a broad sense, we've all been sent. So every one of us who share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're sent to go out and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptize them in the name of the Father. That's the Great Commission. So in a sense, yeah, we're all apostles. But if someone gives you a business card and titles themselves and carries themselves properly, saying that they're an apostle, that's not biblical. Because one of the qualifications of an apostle... Peter tells us this when they were looking to fill in that 12th disciple. Remember Judas committed suicide? There was 11. They needed to fill in one. He couldn't wait, so they cast lots. But the qualification of an apostle during that time, Peter says, one who has been with us, one who has seen Christ, one who's been sent by Christ personally. Okay, so I don't think anybody is about 2,000 years old right about now. Unless they're they're 2,000 years old, then they qualify. I have no argument. Paul was an apostle because the Lord appeared to him in the road to Damascus. But here he's using it because Jesus is one who's been sent. Sent by who? Jesus was sent by the Father. As a matter of fact, this is what Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse, verse 38. Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And that is the definition of an apostle, okay? So Jesus is not an apostle, but he is also a high priest. And what the priests were in the Old Testament, priests were one who represented God to man and man to God. They were like the mediator. And in the Old Testament, no one can actually go into the Holy of Holies only once a year. And even once a year uh, before that day of Passover, before the high priest made it, went into the Holy of Holies, he had to make sure that he was right with God. So he would take weeks. And as a matter of fact, sometimes they would stay into the Holy, not the Holy of Holies, but in the Holy place to stay away from people, to stay away from everybody for a whole week to make sure they have not sinned. So when they go into the Holy of Holies, they're right with God. Okay, that was the priest. He did that. He made the sacrifice on behalf of the people. But because of Jesus Christ, we don't need a priest anymore. The Bible, as a matter of fact, calls those who believe in Jesus Christ priests and kings. So every single one of us are priests in a way. But we don't have to go to a priest. Just like the Old Testament didn't have to go to a priest. Even today, we don't have to go to a priest because now we have one who's better than the priest in the Old Testament. His name is Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the writer will tell us this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. He said, seeing then that we have a great high priest. He's going to prove the fact that, yes, there are priests. And then there was one high priest. Aaron, the brother of Moses, was the first high priest. Moses was never a high priest. He was a priest but not a high priest. And there was no high priest in all the scripture throughout history. There's only one that's great, and it's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the great high priest, as we see here in Hebrews 4, verse 14. It says, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. 
We directly go to God. So today, because of Jesus Christ, because of the work he's done on the cross, when he was crucified on the cross, the veil was torn in two. That meant, and it was torn from top to bottom, the Bible made it very clear, because if it was from the bottom to top, then man could have ripped it. But it was ripped from top to bottom. No, there's no nothing that divides God and man. We can boldly come through the throne of grace of God. We don't need a man. We don't need to go into the closet. We don't need to confess our sins to anyone. We according to the scripture, through the new covenant, through Jesus Christ, we go directly to God. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, Paul writes this, he said, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And so the writer of Hebrews is trying to establish the fact that, hey, it's Jesus. He's the great high priest. And so he's an apostle in that he was sent by God And he's also a high priest. And so as believers in Christ, we need to consider this. We need to consider that Christ is the mediator between God and man, not man. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through man, going into a closet. No, Jesus Christ. Back to verse 1. Let's look at the end of verse 1 again. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, verse 2, who was faithful to him, that's God the Father, who appointed him, Jesus, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Notice the word his just before the word house. His is capitalized, is speaking, and is referring to the house of God. Now, the word house in the Greek is oikos. Oikos, quite often, is, it is used as a structure. But here in the context, it all, in the Greek, it also means household, people. You remember Joshua in Joshua chapter 24, when Joshua said, me and my house, I'll serve the Lord. He's not saying, me and the shingles, me and the window, and the refrigerator are going to serve the Lord. He's talking about his household. He's talking about the family. He's talking about, you know, the, the marriage, the children. And so the house is talking about the house of God. And so it is not the structure. The same here. The house of God is here. Why? Because you're here. <laughs> when you leave after, hopefully you have a meal or two, when you leave, this is empty. The only thing that's here is probably the church mouse. That's about it. There's nothing else. There's, God is not here. You don't need to come to a place because you remember Paul told the church in, and wrote to the church of Corinth regarding the temple. He says, God does not dwell in temples made by hands. God doesn't dwell in temples made by hands. This is material stuff. This would fade. This would fall. This would crumble. He dwells in us. He dwells among us, with us. We are the church. It's the people, not the structure. I know some people put so much worship and they worship things and idols and pulpits. And are you kidding me? None of this is all going to burn. God doesn't care about these things. He came to die for people, not furniture, not buildings. You are the people. You are the house of God. And so... Here he's pointing, and he's, point, he's trying to give him the picture that even though Moses, Moses was faithful, and God entrusted him with the house of God, but it's his house. Moses was faithful in leading the children of Israel, the children of Israel, that's his house. And that's what he's trying to give a picture here. And the phrase the writer of Hebrew is writing here, he takes it from Numbers chapter 12, verse 7. And Numbers chapter 12, verse 7, it says this, Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. 
in all my house. Drop down to verse 5. Look at verse 5 in our text. In verse 5 it says, And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant. He was faithful. However, however, as faithful as Moses was, Jesus, the apostle, the high priest, was more faithful because it is his house. It's a difference between the master of the house and the servant of the house. Drop down to verse 6. Look at verse 6 of our text. It says, but Christ as the son over his own house, whose house we are. It's talking about all Jews and Gentiles. So Christ is more faithful over his own house, over his church, over you and I. Is not Christ faithful to us? He's, is he not faithful to us? Even as a local church, Calvary Chapel of Milford, God has been faithful. God has been with us. And I've seen it from the very beginning. And why does he provide? Why does he bring us together? Why does he cause us to grow? Because he builds the house. Jesus said, I will build a church in the gates of hell and not Not Pastor Eddie, not the leadership, not the board, not the congregation. God builds the house. Verse 3, the writer of Hebrew writes this, For this one, speaking of Jesus, have been counted worthy and more glory than Moses. At this point, just picture the first readers of the book of Hebrews, Jews. More glory than Moses? Oy vey, really? Bite your tongue. Yes, Moses. You know how some people have so much respect to the point where they worship somebody? You know, if somebody says something about when I, I, I grew up listening, watching Billy Graham. That was, when I was a kid, I was, you know, hey, don't be talking about Billy Graham, you know. And then my grandma, she was Catholic. Don't say anything about the Pope. Look, Billy Graham and the Pope are men just like us. They wear pants, hopefully they do, one leg at a time. They're not better than anybody. They're not. And that's the problem, where they got all this glory and they are worshiped like Christ, taking the place of God. But here, the, Mo- the, the Jews would think of that. Moses? <gasps> no way. Moses? Yes. Jesus is better than Moses. Moses had glory and honor, but nothing compared to the one who gives glory and receives and deserves all glory, honor, power, and praise. And that's Jesus Christ. He says in verse 3, For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he, that's God, who builds the house has more honor than the house. The builder of a house had more honor than the house itself. You know, we look at a structure, but there's a lot that goes into a structure when you look at a a house, a building, even a shed. <laughs> I can't build a shed. I can't build a house. If I build a house, I would not trust enough to put my family in it. <laughs> but I, tr- you know, just think about the blueprint and all that goes into building the house. As a matter of fact, just right now, right across from my property, they're building the house. And I'm just amazed at how they break ground. You know, the noise, eh, it's, it's only for a season, but I'm happy and I'm getting neighbors. You know, I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching them build the house. You know, I'm, and I'm going to just get a chair and just sit in my driveway and just watch them and just, you know, have a cup of coffee and just look at them work and sweat hard. Look at who's this short guy just sitting down there watching. Does he have a life? Well, I, I don't have the time for that. But I'm going to be amazed just to watch how these guys or will just put this thing together and, you know, all their tools and the knowledge and wisdom they have of building homes and go back in their truck. There's a lot of respect for people like that. In the same way, you know, 
A lot of architects go to Chicago because of the structure and the skyscrapers, just like in New York. You know, we look at it, we admire, but wow, the ingenuity, the, the, the intelligence behind it, of course, it's not one person. It takes multiple people with gifts to put that. So you give credit to that. Wow, how did you come up with something like that? But we look at this world. We look at the universe. Quite often, you know, you find in, in, in Romans chapter 1 where the man is now worshiping the creation rather than the creator. I'm so amazed at what God has done. I look around and say, man, God is awesome. God is good. You never get tired of looking at nature. God builds it. But he gets the glory. He gets the honor. You know, not the little insect between the grass or the eagle. It's beautiful, flies above the tree. No, God gets the glory. He gets the glory. So Christ was the builder of the house of God. That's what he's pointing here. Moses was only a part of the house. So you see the comparisons? Jesus Christ is greater than Moses. Verse 4, let's look at verse 4. For every house is built by someone. We know that. It's built by someone. Now, in the book of Exodus, we find that uh, Moses, you know, most likely was a builder because the Lord gave him instruction on how to build the temple, the tabernacle. And we find that in Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9, the Lord said to Moses, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I will show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, everything, just so you shall make it. So everything, even the furnishing, the veil, everything, the eagles, the cherubims were woven into the, the veil why? God was giving them a picture of what heaven is like. It's just a model from the real thing. It's a model of the real thing. Because one day we will be in the Holy of Holies in heaven with God forever and ever. And so that is just a picture. And later on, we're going to find the, the writer of Hebrews points that out. He's going to point that out. It's only a picture. It's only temporary. And so... He says in verse 4, he says, For every house is built by someone, but he who builds all things is God. He built everything, everything. I mean, there was a joke, I hope I don't mess it up, probably corny anyway, where an atheist wanted to challenge God in creation. And he said, well, I can make man just like you, God. I said, okay, go, okay, go ahead. Okay, so the atheist started to gather up some dirt, and God said, hold up, that's my dirt, use your own. Okay. All right. Delivered it. Okay. <laughs> God created all things. All things God created. Uh, we see that in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. John writes this in the gospel. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9. God who created all things through Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Friends, we're so glad you decided to join us today here on Running the Race. Pastor Eddie has been taking us through the book of Hebrews in a series titled, Jesus is Better. Within its pages, you hear about great people of faith, 
Do you feel like you could live a life like these great people of faith? You realize they weren't perfect, right? Our hope is that these messages are empowering you to see and believe that you can be a person of great faith too. One way to grow in your faith and understanding of God is by joining up with others who love and serve God. Here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. For the rest of us, remember that you can find more messages from Pastor Eddie on that same website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited to learn more from the book of Hebrews. For today, our time has come to a close, but we'll be back again next time and hope you will too. Come back to hear Pastor Eddie share more from this great book of Hebrews, here on Running the Race. 